And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting across the multiverse, from the heights of Hlidskjalf to the depths of Niflheim, from the MCU to the DCU, from the slopes of Mount Olympus and beyond, you are tuned to the immortal sounds of Radio Free Asgard. And hello, everybody, and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 345. We're coming at you, as always, from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. We're the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin, and we're a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. Welcome along to the show. And uh, yeah, so uh, Avengers. Yeah, so Pete and I finally went to go see Avengers Endgame this past weekend. So yeah, sorry for the delay, folks. But you know, sometimes we're yeah, not the first ones to see the movie. There's already been a lot of conversation about uh, Endgame on social media and also on, on Facebook. Not so much in our group because you guys are pretty good at keeping down the uh, spoilers. Um, I will say that uh, next episode, that is two weeks from this episode, we will be talking about Endgame on the show. So if you folks have anything to contribute, feel free to send your opinions along over to RadioFreeAsgard at gmail.com. Come. All right. So uh, that being said, yeah, we, we did see Avengers and uh, I will say overall, I thought that it was a pretty good movie. I, I do have my issues with the movie as a lot of you do. I wonder if my issues are the same as yours though. Very good question. All right. So uh, we do have an issue of Hercules Unbound to cover. So let's move along to our review. Hercules, hero of song and story, Hercules, winner of ancient glory, fighting for the right, fighting with his might, with the strength of ten ordinary men, Hercules, people are safe when near him, Hercules, only the evil fear him, softness in his eyes, iron in his thighs, virtue in his heart, fire in every part of the mighty. I must say that fire in every part of me sounds profoundly unpleasant, much like this comic book to some people. Anyway, uh, so we are looking this week at Hercules Unbound, issue number eight. Cover uh, date was January of 1977. Cover price was 30 cents. Cover art is by two Walters, Simonson and Wood, and shows uh, two very generic, strangely designed jet airplane things, and they are swooping down and they are firing bullets at Hercules and uh, Jennifer, who's the, uh, the pretty blonde woman with the large breasts. At least they're very big on the cover. Uh, a little TNA here on the cover. And we have um, Kevin, the blind kid, and his dog, and they're all being shot at. And Hercules has got a big rock, and he's getting ready to throw it at the uh, airplanes. Hercules seems to have changed clothes a little bit. Uh, we got a little bit of a redesign here in Hercules' garb. Not so much in the garb itself, but the coloring. So we've, we've kind of converted from a sort of brown, uh, you know, sword and sandals movie kind of, of clothes to something a little bit more garish. And they've got these boots with these... I don't know if they're supposed to be 
circles, uh, yeah, light-colored circles. Are, they're supposed to be holes, uh, but they're in a symmetrical pattern down the front of the boot. And his uh, kilt that uh, he wears is uh, now red and white striped. Yeah, so it's a slightly different look here for our hero. And we open up to the splash page where we have the uh, four adventurers. You have Kevin and his dog, and we have this uh, Dave dude, and we have Jennifer Monroe. And the, uh, the caption says... Dawn casts glittering highlights over the Irish Sea, creating a serenity that must soon shatter before the power and the glory of Hercules unbound. Hercules is pulling along this uh, raft that they're all on. It looks like it's uh, made of of logs, which is going to be hard to find in Scotland where they were. Uh, There's not a lot of trees there, and especially not then before the... uh, uh, replanting uh, schemes really took uh, took hold. Um, we see in the way in the background, it looks like the, there's some airplanes approaching, but they are unaware of them as of yet. And Hercules is saying, you're strangely silent, Jennifer Monroe. If something troubles you... No trouble, Hercules. It's just that after almost being launched for an honest-to-gosh titan, I'm finding this peace and quiet scrumptious, and I hate to break the spell. And uh, Dave saying, Don't worry, Jenny. With what World War Three did to this battered little planet of ours, I'm sure something will come along to stir things up. My, isn't that cheerful. You know, Dave, sometimes I get the feeling you bring your own ants to picnics. What a strange thing to say to somebody. Anyway, so the airplanes are coming down, and uh, Kevin has noticed them, and he says, uh, I don't know about ants, Jen, but from that buzzing sound, I'd say we're about to get some mosquitoes for company. So uh, I don't know if they mean mosquito airplanes or... Anyway, um, Dave is looking up at them, and he says, uh, What? Those aren't mosquitoes. He never completes the sentence because the narrator uh, answers the question for him. And the narrator continues that thought with, ME-262s, David Rigg. Though at this point, you're in no position to appreciate that little detail. But for those who are, the metal birds raking our hero's makeshift raft with 30mm talons are jet fighter planes, vintage 1944. And as out of place in time as Hercules himself. So these are supposed to be World War II jet planes, and I guarantee you that they, these, they didn't look anything like this. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Anyway, uh, so they're firing at the raft. It's very strange because they're, they're just shooting bullets at them, but they are destroying the raft. I mean, they're utterly breaking it into bits, and, and all four of them are, are going flying. We see uh, Dave Rigg is kind of flown into the water. We just see his foot. Uh, we see... Uh, the dog is uh, is kind of being pushed to the top by Jennifer, and uh, Jennifer is in the uh, foreground, and her boobs and butter are prominently displayed here. And Hercules is falling back, and uh, you know apparently nobody is being hit by these bullets. Anyway, it says, uh, but where the brawny man god seeks to restore order to a war ravaged world, the sole purpose of these enigmas seems to be destruction. The title of the story is. Game. David Michelini was the writer, while Simonson and Wally Wood are the artists. Denny O'Neill was the editor. And David Rigg has fallen into the water, and he says, Hey, guys, I don't want to sound like a worrywart, but I never learned how to swim. And it says the sentence goes unfinished as David Rigg's struggling body sinks beneath the waves. And Hercules is a hauling the other two to shore. We see the dog has gotten away safe as well. And we have another butt shot here of, of Jennifer. And she's saying, Hurry, Hercules. Kevin and I will be okay. But you've got to go help Dave. You. 
And Hercules gives up awfully easily. He says, uh, I'm sorry, Jennifer. There's nothing I can do. He's gone. So, yeah, uh, some hero Hercules is. Anyway, the planes are coming around, apparently, to shoot at them again. And Hercules says, But by the gods, I can take retribution on the blackguards who caused this tragedy. And may Pluto feast on my soul if I fail to do just that. And they're turning around, I guess, coming to finish the job. And Hercules picks up a bunch of rocks and he throws them at the airplanes from very far below. And with a splash, a skirmash, and other sound effects such as wham, he destroys all the airplanes with these rocks that are about the size of grapefruit, which I guess you throw those pretty hard. You can, yeah, take down the airplanes. Anyway, uh... Jennifer says, I just can't get over you, Hercules. I mean, one guy taking out four airplanes. Tis a small matter, Jennifer Monroe, for a god, though I fear your numbers are inaccurate. Only three of the infernal machines were destroyed, while one scurries off to lick its wounds. How does an airplane lick its wounds? I, I don't know. Anyway, but since it took four to murder our friend, they didn't murder your friend. You left him to drown. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> He says, by Zeus, it will be four who pay. And so swiftly, the man-god and mortals followed the smoky black trail of the crippled plane, only to find as they top the crest of a stone-scattered ridge, uh, they see this sort of futuristic-looking building. Well, it's futuristic for 1977, which means that it's pretty cliche now, but it's... Uh, this is sort of a large building. There's like this big globe thing on top. There's something that looks like a 1960s space capsule rig. There's, uh, it looks like a, almost like an electric power plant. Anyway, uh, Hercules says, Zounds, what manner of structure is that? And he's telling, he's asking Kevin, who's the blind kid. But anyway, he goes, uh, You tell me, Herc. I'm the one who's blind, remember? Of course, lad. I didn't mean to. And it says, but before Hercules can finish his apologetic reply, uh, they are put upon by women with very large bottoms. Yes, we've got lots of uh, girl butt here in this uh, panel, and there's all these women, and they're dressed like... Um, actually, they, they remind me a little bit of Bullet Man or Bullet Girl. They're kind of dressed in sort of Thunder Agents-looking kind of, of outfits. They're red, silver, and blue. They've got to kind of look like Bullet Man-type helmets. And they've got uh, superhero, they're like superhero outfits that show off the ass. That's kind of what they're looking at. But anyway, uh, they're attacking Hercules and uh, there's, there's lots and lots of them. And they're swarming over him. And he says, eh, from all sides, we're attacked. Get back, Kevin. I'll tend to these women. And yeah, he just notices that they're women. And if he has the, uh, the old fashioned sort of sense of chivalry. And he says, hold, I am an immortal, a god. I can't fight women. Women are frail, delicate, weak, irk. And he says irk just as uh, the, the women are, are overpowering him. Voice comes, Herc, hey Hercules. And, and Herc is like, whoa, Kevin. And uh, he then flexes his muscles and he throws all these uh, women with the large boobs and butts away. And he says, back females, I don't want to hurt you, but that cry came from a friend. And if there's one thing an Olympian holds equal to honor, tis loyalty. And they all go flying off, and Hercules leaps into the battle where uh, Kevin is. And he's like, Kevin, are you? And Kevin is fighting against these women, and he says, No sweat, Herc. I'm holding my own. But I just thought you'd be interested in the remains of these dead ladies. And apparently... 
Kevin is strong enough to defeat these things and actually knock them to pieces, which seems at odds with what we know about Kevin. So either this is really wildly inconsistent, inconsistence in the 70s DC comic? No. But um, anyway, he's knocked some of them apart, and they are robots. And Hercules is looking at the metal limbs, and he's like, but these limbs, they're made of metal. You got it, Herc. These warriors are androids. Hercules gets really mad and he takes the metal limbs he's holding in his hand and he throws them away with a whack. And he says, Then I've been tricked by the flames of Hades. Tis not nice to fool a god. It's not nice to fool Mother Nature. Anyway, and so while Hercules is destroying that, we see a speaker and is in a wall and uh, there's a, a voice that comes out of that and it says, I say, I'm dreadfully sorry about all this. I had no idea you were real people. You see, I thought you were merely constructs sent by my opponent to... Oh, but you must forgive me. I'm forgetting my manners. Please, do join me, won't you? And I'll be happy to explain everything. And Kevin, of course, is remembering all the other times they've been welcomed by seemingly nice people and had them turn out to be evil. So he goes, uh, Well, Herc, uh, do we go in? If we want answers, lad, it seems we've little choice, says Hercules. So they go in, and it says, Resolutely, the four grim companions step through the beckoning portal. They're counting the uh, dog as, as one of the four now. Anyway, they go in, and it says, It's a nightmare corridor of towering electronics and chattering relays. A bizarre setting that pales before the even stranger vision awaiting them as they round the corridor's end. And uh, they turn the corner, and Hercules and Jennifer's behind him. Hercules goes, Zeus! No, of course, it is not Zeus. It is an old lady, and she's dressed in this sort of uh, early 1900s little old lady stereotypical uh, uniform. Uh, not uniform, but it's, a, it's a, an outfit. And it actually reminds me quite a lot of uh, Granny, the character on Looney Tunes that, that owns Tweety Bird. She looks a lot like her. So, yeah, anyway, she goes, Please don't be frightened. I am Lady Agatha Sims. And I assure you, I pose no danger. After all, the three of you are so young, so strong. And I, well, I am merely a harmless old woman. But uh, we see that uh, she's an old woman sitting in this giant machine sort of thing. She looks not unlike one of those uh, fortune-telling vending machines. So she's kind of in a a glass tube and uh, she's sitting in a chair or something. And yeah, so she's in encased in this machine thing. Harmless, says Hercules. My friends and I have been attacked twice on our way to this place. And you call that harmless? No, I call that an unfortunate error in tactics. But here, let me explain. And there's a loud click. And the floor starts to move with a whirr. And Hercules says, What? Snows of Olympus. The floor, tis moving. And the caption says that slowly, awesomely, the heavy plasticine floor halves itself, the parted sections hissing back into the walls to reveal my game board, the end product of half a century of dedication and dreams. Ah, but before you can fully comprehend that dream's end, you must learn something of its beginnings. And uh, we get a flashback starting here. Uh, the, the Basically, these four of them are are standing on a large game board and there's like different uh, gaming pieces that are kind of scattered around. What we're looking at appears to be a map of Scotland um, minus the rest of the British Isles 
or it could be Ireland. It, yeah, it's possible that it's Ireland. But anyway, it's not a very representative uh, map of, of either. But anyway, uh, we have game pieces that are like ships and there's like a building that's shaped like a star and there's airplanes and it's it's sort of an attempt at a Kirby machine that doesn't really quite work because it's not being drawn by Jack Kirby. But anyway, so we uh, start getting a little flashback here. So we see a, a young girl and she's with her parents and it says, The home of Lord Montague Sims, head of one of the oldest military families in Great Britain, and incidentally, my father. True, Daddy would rather have had a son, but I was determined to make a soldier anyway to make Daddy proud of me. That is, until a drunken corporal in a runaway jeep put a sudden end to that fancy. And it shows her uh, getting struck by a jeep. Um, yeah, upside down uh, being struck by a jeep. It looks like she was doing a cartwheel and got hit by a car. Uh, anyway, um, it says here, I lay in a coma for years. My body slowly atrophying, but though my physical form became useless, my brain compensated by developing it at an abnormal rate, just like real coma victims, so that when I at last awoke, my mental acuity was vastly increased, an advantage I soon put to good use. I became a master technician, designing advanced computer systems for the government. That is, until World War Three blew that government away. After the war, I constructed a team of mechanoid servants, and turned my resources to interests that have become more dear to me than life itself. So, let me get this straight. Okay, we have this old lady. She's crippled from being hit by a jeep uh, back in World War II, apparently. So, she survived up into the mid, uh, the late 1990s, or whenever this is supposed to be. And her dream was to create a robot army of women with very large boobs and butts. That is weird. Anyway, <laughs> so she says... Interest such as the Citadel and the game. I, and there is a, uh, a red horn out of the wall and it's starting to go blat, blat. And uh, Jennifer's like, what? That horn? Some kind of horn? Yes, isn't it marvelous? We're being attacked. Now, if you just watch the monitors, you can see the game in action. And she is being whooshed around in her uh, little capsule thingy on what appears to be like a monorail trackway. And actually, it's not a monorail because there's two rails. But it's a uh, sort of a up-in-the-air elevated trackway. But it's it's not like the L. It's like uh, two two tracks like hanging in midair is what it looks like anyway. So uh, she's doing that. And it says here, uh, the action is just what these monitors show as a trio of bizarre missiles screams over the horizon towards Lady Sims Citadel. And we see these uh, big red missiles that are going scree towards her. And it says here that they, they are only to wink out in violent red flashes as they meet that structure's airborne guardians. And that is those jet planes that we saw earlier as they uh, shoot down the missiles with Bathoom, Bathoom. And yeah, so it's taking care of them. And Hercules is, but who is my opponent? She says, to be perfectly honest, I don't really know. A few months ago, I had some planes shot down over the Isle of Man, and we've been going at it ever since. But why don't I launch a video observer rocket and let you see for yourself? So she uh, shoots a video observer rocket, which, you know, you figured if she wanted to know who the, her opponents are, she could just do that and find out who they are. But anyway, uh, it flies up over this place, wherever they are, which I think is supposed to be Ireland, but I'm not sure. 
But anyway, uh, it goes sailing out over and it finds this big star-shaped building, kind of like the Pentagon, except it's, it's star-shaped. And there actually is a Pentagon in the middle of it. So I guess it kind of is like the Pentagon. But anyway, uh, she says, Ah, yes, there it is. My opponent's headquarters. Obviously, he is a fellow war games buff who has chosen to play the ultimate match. And uh, equally as obvious, his defense mechanisms are as effective as my own. And her uh, rocket gets shot down. And uh, we then shift back to uh, where they are. And Hercules says, These war machines, do you create them yourself? Oh, dear me, no. Why should I? But it's so much easier to simply pluck them from the past. That's right, the past. This machine brings solid images called simulacra from bygone eras so that I may use them in pawns of the game. The device has a rather limited range, World War II to be exact. But, well, here, let me give you a little demonstration. And she uh, flicks a switch, and she flicks a switch, and there's a giant globe thingy with a bunch of like Tesla coils or something sticking out of it, and it's shooting this pink lightning everywhere. And it says, uh, the awesome machinery crackles to life. And she's like, now, if you just look out that window, you'll see that a replica of the famous PT boat, number 109, is materializing in the sea right about... And she notices something is not going right. She says, oh my, it seems I've made a slight miscalculation. And uh, a giant warship is actually appearing in the waters outside of the uh, uh, headquarters. And it says in the turbulent waters outside, a multi-ton behemoth shimmers and sparks into existence. Its mighty turrets and towers gleam in a silent show of power incarnate. It is called the Bismarck Miscalculation in. Indeed. And we shift scenes and we have a caption that says, While a short mile down the coast, another surprise. And we see what looks like a Steve Ditko drawing, actually, of David Rigg. And he's uh, coming up out of the water. His hand is in this weird position, like, like he's uh, G.I. Joe with Kung Fu grip. It's this really strange, very unnatural position for his hand to be in. But anyway, it says, uh, Who? Good thing I glommed onto that floating log, or I'd be fish food by now. Of course, facing this freaked-out world alone is not much better. So I guess I'd best do something about finding some people. So he uh, he's, lands on uh, on the shore, and it looks like he's hiking uh, over a big hill, and he finds a town. And he uh, says, looks like the old Yankee luck's holding out. Dave, my boy, there's a town. And he goes down there, but everything is ruined and uh, and is a mess. And he says, sheesh, did I say town? Dump would be more like it. Oh, well, better check out this official-looking building. It seems to be in a good shape. And he opens the door, and there's a robot inside. And the robot says, click were greetings. And welcome, new recruit, to the joys of patriotic service. I know that the next three years will be the happiest of your life. And it says uh, something on the desk. The Brits want you. Oh, John Bull wants you on a poster behind this robot. He says, sign, click here. And David Rigg doesn't seem like he wants to sign this paper or anything. And he's being approached by... It looks like metal legs wearing superhero boots. That's uh, kind of what they are. But I, when I say metal legs, I don't mean they like human-like either. They're just kind of like robot, spindly robot legs. Anyway, he says, uh, 
Now, wait a minute, Pally. I didn't, uh, uh, hey, what's going on? And there's a giant kazat, and he goes, yeah, and he is electrocuted. Uh, we ship scenes back at the Citadel, and we got the old lady, and she's sitting there, and she's got these wire things um, sticking out of her head. So now that you know the rules, I'm sure you're eager to help me play and win. And Hercules says, Nay, woman, this combat for no purpose is unnatural, and more than a little senseless. Oh, it's purpose you want, eh? Very well, then. It's purpose you shall have. And a giant gun thing rises up out of the ground, and it's shooting a red ray and uh, shooting this this red ray at uh, at Kevin, and uh, sh- shooting a, a startling crimson beam, as the caption says. It says, a pulsing beacon, which before anyone can move, engulfs young Kevin in a powerful blast. And we see a close-up of Kevin's face, uh, and he says, Erg! And then, hey, something is happening to my eyes. Things are moving, changing. There are shapes and things that, that must be colors. And, my God, I can see. I can. And then there's a spurst, and the ray stops. And Kevin falls to the ground going, Ugh. And Hercules and uh, Jennifer rush forward, and they're going, Kevin! And uh, Hercules grabs part of the machinery on the wall, and he goes, scrunch, and uh, destroys it. And he says, so help me, woman, if you've hurt the lad. Oh, no, I don't like hurting people, she says. I merely turned off the machines that were restoring the boy's sight. We'll be happy to turn them on again after you've helped me win the game. And Hercules says, uh, woman... If I were not a man of honor, the caption says, Oh, but you are a man of honor, Hercules. And so night finds you leading an elite band of android warriors across the Irish Sea to a desolate chunk of earth and stone mockingly called the Isle of Man. I, I, I think that if I were Manx, I would be offended by this comic. <laughs> anyway, so they're in this what looks like a uh, uh, armored personnel carrier and they're uh, sailing towards the Isle of Man, which looks very small in this picture. Though I don't think the uh, and the Isle of Man's not a big island, but it's also it's certainly not this small. And it says here, while on the other side of that island, a time-stolen battleship sends salvo after salvo of diversionary fire towards the distant shore. And uh, we have the Bismarck, and it's shooting its cannons, and there's a big old uh, eagle with a swastika on the back, and it's sending out uh, things too. So apparently Hercules and gang are being attacked by this, uh, this Bismarck, and it's blowing up rocks and stuff near them. And so we have the three of the, uh, the humans. I don't see the dog anywhere, so maybe the dog stayed with the old woman. So they're, they're on the island, and they've got an army of these uh, buxom, big-butted women with them. And Kevin is uh, behind Hercules, and Jennifer's behind him. And he's saying, uh, So far, so good, Herc. Lady Sim said all we had to do was take the island control center, and we've won. Hi, Kevin. Seems simple enough. But uh, there's these uh, guns shooting at them. It says, The simple turns suddenly complex as ray blaster cannons pop up from a hidden bunker to be followed by an instant by radio-controlled drones, spitting tongues of fire. And these uh, radio-controlled drones are actually, they're in the shape of these uh, big tanks. And they're shooting ray beams at Hercules, and he's dodging them. And uh, Kevin's like, Hercules, what's happening? It seems, lad, that we've triggered this island's defenses. I'll wager these bothersome protectors have little provision for defense against themselves. 
And Hercules picks up one of these uh, tank gun things and he turns it on the others. And uh, there's a Shahwam and they're, uh, just, he's destroying these uh, tank things. And uh, Kevin says, well, that takes care of one threat, but unless my ears deceive me, I lad, we've still got those metal juggernauts to contend with and there's more tanks and they're coming uh, towards them. Hercules is saying, and since from the sound of it, they approach from the other side of this mountain... Uh, Hercules picks up the, uh, the, well, he basically takes the mountain and he just shoves the whole thing with a crack. So he's basically just pushing the whole mountain uh, because he's Hercules and, you know, he does stuff like that. And Jennifer's saying, uh, what? Hey, what do you think you're doing? You can't just move a whole mountain just like that. And uh, he does and he pushes the mountain and uh, there's a giant broom as it uh, falls over and destroys all of the tanks. And it uncovers a secret door. And, of course, uh, Hercules says, By Zeus, a door. The luck of Hera is with us. We've uncovered a hidden entrance to our quarry's lair. And by all means, let us greet that unseen foe. And he smashes the door in with a smash. And it says here that uh, swiftly, confidently, the three victors dash through the shattered doorway, only to have the taste of their victory turn suddenly, shockingly sour as they find no it can't be lady sim's opponent the man we've been sent to destroy is david rig and it is indeed david rig and he is sitting in a uh, like a, a machine and he's got all these pipes and tubes and stuff hooked into him and there's kind of lightning crackling around him and that is the end it says next issue the answer the controller and the battle be there. And that was Hercules Unbound number eight. So, of course, we have a few things to say about it, but we're going to say those things after this message. Star Trek. Comic books. Mythology. Video games. Toys. Star Wars. Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by Two True Freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with, and be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. And we are back. And of course, we have a few things to say about the issue, as we always do. I'm hoping that we're on the upswing, but as we know, we're uh, three quarters of the way through now, so uh, there's really not... uh, a lot of improvement yet to come. So I will say, I mean, it's a moderately more interesting story than what we've had before. The art I'm liking. Uh, I, I definitely am seeing a difference in the art. It's clear that Simonson is doing the layouts and Wood is finishing them. I think that's particularly true of the uh, female warriors and also of uh, the Jennifer character. The old lady character is, is just kind of rather silly. Um, the Jennifer character they, they've actually made her a bit cuter than she was before. Before she was kind of like, I think that she was supposed to be more uh, more sexy and seductive. And now they've kind of made her more girl next door, 
uh, you know, kind of cute girl looking rather than, than sexy and seductive. There is definitely a tendency in this issue, particularly with the female robots and androids and all that, of, uh, of tits and ass. And I think that that's probably Wally Wood's influence there. It is obvious throughout the issue, wherever we have a female character other than the old lady, that uh, TNA is definitely one of the, the appeals of this book. Lord knows it has to have some better appeal than the story. But you can definitely see hints of Walt Simonson creeping out. This is a, an earlier iteration of Simonson um, after he did Manhunter, but still pre the style that he came to work in later. The, his style, I think, is evolving. And because he's only doing layouts, I think that uh, Wood is overpowering him to some extent. That's extremely obvious in some panels. But there are some panels here that are very unmistakably Simonson. Um, I think there's an attention to detail here. Uh, for example, on the Bismarck, that, yeah, it speaks to uh, to Simonson and, and his uh, photo referencing. And, uh, yeah, so I think that, that overall the artwork has improved. The story, well, it's improved a little bit. It's It's not anything special, but at least it's better than the talking monkey that we had back in, what, issue four. Anyway, um, yeah, that's about it. I think I've said about all I can say about this issue. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And if you want to chime in on our review episode next time of uh, Avengers Endgame, please feel free to drop us a line at radiofreeasgard.gmail.com. I can also accept a, uh, a feedback via... Facebook message if, if you so desire, any feedback that you might have. All right, and with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge, back to Midgard, and we'll see you next time for our review of Avengers Endgame here on Radio Free Asgard. Radio Free Asgard is copyright Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The characters, stories, and situations presented on this program are copyright their respective copyright holders and are presented for entertainment, review, and educational purposes only. No ownership is implied. We make no money from this podcast and the contents are believed to be covered under fair use. If you like what you've heard on today's program, we'd appreciate it if you leave us an iTunes review, send us an email with your feedback, tell your friends, if you have any, or annoy your coworkers with our incoherent ramblings and silly voices. Thanks once again for listening to Radio Free Asgard. <laughs>